0: everyone welcome to the grabs podcast i'm your host today my name is grant and with me today i've got gentry o'connor uh he's a firefighter in texas he's going to be talking to us about a grab that was made for klein fire department and uh, that was on march 19th 2023 so welcome gentry how are you doing
1: i'm doing all right how about yourself
0: good tell us about you and uh, your fire career
1: uh well i've been uh uh fireman in Texas for 13 years. Uh I did seven years as a volunteer uh with a Tasca And then after that I, I made the move to go to full time at the city of Houston. Uh I've also been a part-time fireman at Klein Fire Department for uh just about two years now. Tell us about Klein Fire Department and the makeup. Uh, so Klein services, about 49 square miles. It's on the Northwestern side of the city of Houston, uh, just outside the city limits. They have about eight stations, uh, combination department right now. Uh, about, got about 170 members. Uh, that's the last counted that I've heard. And, uh, so eight stations, 170 members who serve about 175,000 in population. And the territory are, goes everything from farm fields all the way to apartments, heavily dense uh, neighborhoods, We've about a high rise in territory. Um, we also have a private airport, which is right down the street from the station that this graph happened at.
0: What's the makeup of the guys? So you work there part-time. Is it a lot of guys from Houston uh, and surrounding areas that are working there part-time or what's the deal?
1: So uh, I think the, the command staff tries to be fair. Uh, There is a a fair amount of city guys that work there part-time, but there is also a a few other professional fire departments that, uh, that part-time with Klein as well. And we, we do still I have a few uh, volunteers as well. Um, actually, the one of the guys on the on the truck with me for this fire was a volunteer. So, and he did a really good job.
0: Tell us about. I'm I'm intrigued at that setup. How do you guys do training and take it almost like the Pro Bowl or something? You're taking people from a bunch of different teams. How do you get them to get on the same play?
1: oh uh, it's it's um it's definitely an interesting concept I, I know that the volunteers they do uh training once a week and then now uh the command staff is coming down with you know monthly training for all members not just uh not just the volunteers because strictly before it was just all of the part-time guys they didn't really train too much unless like one of the volunteers wanted to train on something, we would go out there and train on whatever they wanted to, but they were strictly relying on their full-time training.
0: So tell us what you guys get for client fire department for a regular alarm on a house fire. And then also what, how search plugs into
1: that, what the search culture is. Okay. So we do it um, a little bit, uh, weird. So whenever somebody calls 911 and says that uh, a house is on fire, we have pretty good uh, call takers and dispatchers. So immediately whenever somebody calls and says there's a structure on fire, they drop uh, It's called a light structure incident. So it's one chief, one in, the first in engine, and the first in truck. And then as the call taker gets more notes, either they'll keep it as that or they'll upgrade the full box and about 98 percent of the time if they upgrade the full box it's a working fire so we kind of know what we're getting if they upgrade the full box
0: who's responsible for search then for you guys i'm sorry one more time who's responsible for search
1: (laughs) okay so uh, um that would be uh, our truck company. So we have one dedicated truck company and they kind of, a situation dictates whether if they're going to the roof immediately or if they're coming in to search first. Um, depending on the conditions from the first in or engine, they have you know zero visibility and high heat uh, and the engine calls for a hole, they're going to go and the engine's going to search off the line. And then either the backup line from the second end engine will complete the rest of the search, or if like uh, conditions dictate, the truck can come in and do a proper search.
0: Cool. Uh, let's go to March nineteenth, twenty twenty-three, and talk about this fire.
1: Okay. So um, it, it's hard to talk about it without starting from the beginning of the ship. So there we do, uh, it's broken up into 12-hour shifts, but a lot of guys will do 36 hours at a time. Um, this day, I was uh, riding captain, and uh, I had just gotten there for the night shift. And we our preferred staffing is four, but we can go down to a minimum staffing, three on our engines and four on the truck, which not super happy with especially in the situation but um our the the guy that was driving me that night he had just gotten his so they have driver packets there that people can fill out and he's uh, he's fairly new to the fire service uh and he's got less than 5 years total between his full time job and and client uh and He had just been cleared to drive. And this was his first working fire to be first in on on an engine and pump on. So the Peace River from where engine 31 station is, it's about 1.3 miles away. So we were dispatched at 1837. And. The chief was, he had come over to talk to us about staffing and stuff right before this dropped. So he was at the station and we kind of, we were right behind him. And we got on scene at 1841. So in four minutes and then one minute later, the chief went out with light smoke. Uh, I came around the Bravo side. I didn't really see anything. The smoke was coming from the Delta side. And I said, the home was built in 81. As I was walking up to the house, uh, there's no car in the driveway. The only thing that would have given any inkling that somebody was in there was probably time of day. But grass was overgrown. Uh, Home was kind of in a more fallen state, kind of dilapidated. And it looked like nobody was there. It, um, it looked like an abandoned home. So I come and do my 360, confirm it. We're going to go through the front, uh, the alpha side and make the push to the right towards the fire. Not thinking that anybody's in there at all. Um, uh, my first lineman, he's stretching the line simultaneously as I'm doing a 360. And he meets me at the front door. So it forced the door, and instantly we have zero visibility. So the house was charged with smoke. So I did. I got down, and I let it breathe for a little bit so it could give me a, a good layout of if there was a wall in front of me or if there was obstacles in front of me so I could get a good layout to the fire. Whenever I got down, I heard, help, help. So that threw me way off guard. I mean, we're told to we talk about expecting victims all the time, but it was, it definitely threw me for a loop, but I didn't hesitate in the moment. Um, I called out, fire department called out and he responded. So immediately I got on the radio notify notified the chief uh, that we went into rescue mode, that we have somebody inside. Now rescue mode allows us to, forego the two-in, two-out rule. There's a life in there that we can get. According to our SOPs, we can make the push and go get them. Um, And he was responding pretty, pretty accurately. So as soon as we came in the front door, he turned right and it was about eight feet to the threshold of the kitchen. Now, at this time there was, there was quite a bit of heat inside. Uh, I was kind of half duck walking, half walking with a super serious purpose. And my first line was dragging the line with us the whole time. As soon as we got to the doorway to the threshold or the, the threshold of the kitchen, uh, dramatic change. There was, there was two skylights, uh, in the roof and both of those at that moment had burned out and everything went from zero visibility to fire everywhere and we went I told him to darken it down just a little bit as I'm scanning trying to find him and he darkened it down a little bit and I was like bam right there three feet from me in the kitchen got to him notified command we were coming out the delta side so in the kitchen from where he was there was maybe four feet to what i thought was going to be a sliding glass window um it turned out to be a bay window and i notified him that i was coming out the delta side but as i scooped him up uh and I was looking smoke had been lifting from in the garage so from the kitchen into the laundry room into the garage there's a straight clear path and it was on tile so i knew that i was going to be i was going to be uh doing the rescue by myself because my pipe was trying to give us some sort of protection from the fire and notified command that i had changed and we were coming out the alpha side through the garage and started moving got to the garage and the garage door was still closed which my heart kind of sank a little bit but i looked up and i saw that the power was still on so i pushed the garage door uh opener button I probably pushed it maybe five times, and I started opening. I picked him back up, and there was these distinct three bricks in his driveway. And I remember, and I'm dragging him, and I hit those bricks, and me and him both tumble out into the driveway. And as I'm trying to collect myself and pick him up, I see the next in, which was the truck uh, that are running up the driveway to come and help me. So we pick him up and set him down in the front yard. And then I had to go back, immediately had to go back in uh, to get back with my fireman who was in there by himself. It's just not, it wasn't ideal, but it was what we had to deal with. Um, EMS was there pretty quick. But so from we got on scene at 1841 and at 1842, we went into rescue mode. We found him at 1844 and he was out in the front yard at 1845. And whenever I walked back into my fireman, uh, like the entire first floor, it was all involved. There was, the skylights had burned out and there was two other windows on the second floor that had burned out and it was venting. It was a very dramatic change of events inside. Um, He ended up, he said that he had slipped and fallen and hurt in his shoulder. So we had to come out. It was just me and him and I couldn't stand there, but luckily the truck was there and then everybody else was, getting on scene at that time. So the truck made a pretty good stop on the fire. And then yep. It's about it's about it. Uh, talk to me about the victim size and uh, dragging that victim out. So uh, in the moment I thought he was a pretty small dude. Like I mean, I know it's kind of hard to tell on a camera, but I'm not a big dude. Uh, but i was told that he was somewhere between uh, 210 and 225
0: was, and was he slippery at all to to grab her
1: so no that's the thing that surprised me i um, uh, once i was able to get a hold of him uh I sat him up I was able to get a hold of him from behind and once i had him like that it was there was no slipping or nothing. And he wasn't, he wasn't limp either. It was kind of like flexing, like he was in pain, which understandable is he got, he got severely burned. Um, He's, he's still alive at the burning right, right now. As the last, the last uh, thing that I heard about him, he's still alive.
0: So your uh, victim removal was like a combat challenge style drag underneath the Underneath the arms, or how was that removal?
1: Yes, just it was pretty dirty and fast.
0: Uh, then talk to me about determining which way out. You kind of kind of hit it in there, but take us through your mindset on what you're thinking.
1: So originally, I wanted to go out the Delta side uh, with him, but that I knew was, was that because there was Was that it- because?
0: Was that because of proximity? Was it the closest way out, or what? Right, what that I was
1: that was the closest closest exit out of the building. Um, and but I knew that it was going to be me, and it was going to be hard to get me up and over and dragging through the grass by myself. So, but also, whenever I scooped up to start moving him that way. I I the smoke had lifted and conditions looked way better um in the garage for the victim. So I made the decision to turn and just go straight out towards the driveway.
0: Then you, you mentioned noticing that power was still on and you noticed that uh the garage door was closed. That had to be a sinking feeling. Uh, Once you get out there, you know, so often we use the garages, I mean, entry point for homes. I'm surprised that we don't find more people in the garages, Uh, but, but as an exit point, yeah, it's, it's, it's
1: shut. (laughs) So uh, talk us through that quick, quick decision-making there. I mean, I I know that's, so that's how I go in and out of my house. Um, It was, it was kind of, not necessarily like a real dis- decision. Like I got there and I saw it was it was closed, and I knew that. I just looked up and I saw the power on, and I was started pushing and like I said, I probably pushed it maybe five or six times before I started moving. <laughs> but I was I was a little tad bit uh, excited. <laughs> Not well. Yeah, I guess excited to actually have a person, but trying to get him out of the structure. Um, my apartment did a, a really good job shielding us from uh, a fire because right as I guess said, right whenever we got to the threshold of the kitchen, everything lit off, which I'm pretty sure that's where he got a lot of his burns from.
0: Uh, you know it highlights pretty good too a couple of things number one in victim removal i love stealing it from hazmat time distance and shielding and you'd mentioned not wanting to go out the back because it'd take longer to get up to the all the way to the front so uh, eliminating the time uh getting the distance between you and the fire and then shielding if you are in that environment so that was pretty good you know the other thing i think about too when you're making the decisions going through the garage it's it's when we're on a fire ground, we make decisions first solution, not optimal solution. And and based on the more experience you get, you you can see the the solution much quicker than a new firefighter can. Not that we're any better being older guys because we get more out and uh you know ridden hard and put away wet is the term. Yeah. But you've just seen what works and what doesn't, so you can come to those solutions quicker so in my head you're telling me that i didn't even think about the, the using the garage door opener i mean that's great you know i'm thinking well, pull pull the pull the rope and see if you can get disconnect and then telling command hey have somebody start cutting these these doors but three quick plans come to head but that was great noticing the light so i'm gonna that yeah. one stick with me
1: yeah it was that was a lot of a lot of luck coming in with that i mean we were We were in the right place at the right time for for all of that to happen. Um, So we had him, we had him out in, from when we went into rescue mode, it was three minutes uh, and from, from dispatch was eight minutes. Yeah. And, you know, that highlights what we're
0: finding in rescue survey numbers that victims are getting found quickly. So don't go a 20 minute search scenario, go for those uh four to six minute search scenarios and let's let's get after it and occupy space and um and life fire layout and call out i mean we hit it enough and and i think the numbers are right around 17 to 20 percent of the time when you call out the victim answers that's a free just go after them and i love to hear that uh you called out and it worked so yeah anything uh... before we wrap up
1: Uh, yeah, some, so something interesting happened with, uh, with this, uh, victim, his, uh, his sister ended up actually finding me on Facebook and, and, you know, explaining like, thanks, uh, for saving her brother. Um, but she shared a, a interesting piece of information that I've come to think of it. I probably had a little extra help, uh, with pulling him out, uh, so his father uh, was a captain in the FDNY. That's cool. Yeah, and this this guy he's a he was a older gentleman who's at uh, seventy five years old. So his dad probably helped me out on that one. Nice.
0: Well, very good. Well, uh, Gentry, I appreciate you sharing the story. Um, to anybody that's listening, if you get a grab, we want you to go to Firefighter Rescue Survey. Take that short survey. It's for us, by us. We want to make sure we're getting accurate information and we're training on it. Uh, we want you guys to have the uh, uh, the awareness of what's going on and the willingness to just go occupy space. Because yeah, these all aren't heroic uh, are grabs, but if we're willing to go inside, we can make a difference. And if you're willing to share your story on the Grabs podcast, reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe. 239-898-0843, Nick Ladine and Justin McWilliams will also be willing to record these. So until next time, thanks for
1: listening.